Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. How do we respond to trials and afflictions? It has been said of this verse 11 that it expresses the problem of the book of Job. And then verse 12 expresses the solution. Job suffered all kinds of personal tragedies, including bereavement, loss of earthly wealth, and serious sickness. God permitted these things to happen in order to instruct Job in the paths of deeper faith and obedience. Job was tempted to regard such discipline as being unjust. He felt real pressure upon him even to abandon his faith in the Lord and his trust in God's goodness to him. Yet, in the midst of all of his trials, Job was actually experiencing a purpose of love towards him from the Lord. We read in Job 5 and verse 17, Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore and bindeth up. He woundeth and his hands make whole. So there in Job 5, we are told plainly that our trials come to us by God's hand. And only by his hand will they be removed again. We, for our part, must improve our trials to the good of our souls, never questioning God's wisdom in the way that he is dealing with us, although we will be tempted to do that. So both there in Job 5 and here in verse 11 of Proverbs 3, the Hebrew words for chastening and correction uh, are actually the same. The word uh, translated correct means to convince by sound argument, to convict by irrefutable reasoning. And so our trials and adversities are actually God's means of convincing us of his truth, of his sovereignty, and of his overall care for us. Now this is something that the world finds very hard to understand. How bad circumstances can actually be beneficial. 
But for the believer in Christ, his problems and his crises are actually a blessed teacher to bring him nearer to the Lord. One of the great tragedies is that those in the world, when bad things happen to them, use that as a reason to accuse God of injustice. Uh, So often we are told in the open air that people do not believe because of all the suffering in the world. And yet they fail to see God speaking through adversity and suffering. The non-Christian should view his trials as an opportunity to come near to God for the first time. Adversities are God's instruction. They are God's warning to seek his face and to be reconciled to him. When natural disasters hit the world, it is perhaps very tempting for us Christians to just keep quiet. Or perhaps simply to speak in terms of nature. But God controls the natural world. And every natural calamity has happened in the providence of God. And God has a purpose. He desires to speak to men, even in the midst of these great disasters. And so... Uh, we find that historically uh, mighty gospel preachers had no qualms at all uh, about using uh, natural disasters as a gospel opportunity. Um, uh, For example, uh, in 1750 there was a serious earthquake in London uh, and uh, Charles Wesley uh, delivered a powerful uh, sermon uh, entitled The Cause and Cure of Earthquakes. And so we must understand that nothing in this life, none of the great trials and tragedies uh, happen by chance. Trials come upon Christians and they come upon non Christians. Now, uh, in the case of non-Christians, they may have a punitive aspect to them. Um, That is obviously not always the case, and we do not know the mind of God, and and we can never say at any one time uh, if the adversity is punitive. But what we cannot do is say that it is never punitive, because there are many examples in Scripture of God bringing earthly judgments upon those who have defied him. And so if someone is living in open rebellion against the Lord, he may well suffer an earthly punishment as God's gracious warning to him to repent and escape a worse and irrevocable punishment. And so Psalm 94 and verse 10 speaks of the Lord that chastiseth the heathen. 
the Lord that chastiseth the heathen. So the Lord is actually disciplining and correcting and instructing non-believers through their circumstances. In the case of the Christian, however, his trials come to him that he might grow in the faith he already has, uh, that he might deepen his trust in the Lord, and that he might be instructed more and more in God's ways. And so the believer's trials are God's discipline and instruction uh, for his great benefit. Therefore, we must never despise that discipline. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. So as we have intimated, the word chastening uh, may also be rendered instruction. God instructs us in the midst of our trials. We must not despise this instruction, even though it may be a humbling and a difficult time. It is necessary discipline. And so as God instructs, this will at times mean a real chastening of us, a real disciplining of us. Discipline means keeping someone on the right path. And God has to use various means to keep us on the right path of faithfulness and obedience. We constantly need to be disciplined and corrected that we might grow in holiness. So when we have problems and trials, we must not despise them and blame God for being unloving, but must rather employ them as a valuable disciplining process to grow in faith and holiness. Uh, And so Solomon goes on here in verse 12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. So God has a purpose of love in the correction of believers, desiring that they become more Christ-like. Uh, But it is the believer's responsibility as God's child not to resist his heavenly father's rebukes, uh, which are for his good. Think of an earthly parent forcefully rebuking a child for running out into the road without first looking. The parent will probably use a stern voice. Because the matter is so serious. The child will consider the rebuke an unpleasant experience. But it will nevertheless be for that child's inestimable benefit. The chastisement is in fact an indication of how much the parent loves the child. We find our Lord rebuking a church. In Revelation chapter 3, the church at Laodicea, verse 19. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. The church at Laodicea was in desperate need of spiritual discipline. Now, Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, are quoted in the New Testament. In Hebrews 12, verses 5 and 6. And they are used uh, in the New Testament to deal with a situation where the Hebrew Christians were enduring persecution. And so being trained up by their afflictions. The Hebrew believers were learning about the need to trust the Lord and not to abandon the faith because of the grave opposition that that they were facing. And so uh, these Christians were being instructed with regards to the cost of discipleship. And Solomon is, is likewise saying here in Proverbs, despise not the school of the Lord. The learning which he imparts through his providential dealings with you. As a believer, we are always under God's discipline and instruction. And so we have to go with this discipline. We have to see our afflictions as part of the discipline. Which is both for our immediate benefit... And for our eternal benefit. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. The Hebrew word rendered correction also has the connotation of proving, in the sense of testing the validity and genuineness of someone's faith. The Christian must not despise the Lord's proving of him, whereby he can become stronger in the faith. Just as a soldier might be put through certain endurance tests to prove his fitness, so the soldiers of Christ will have times of trial and difficulty where their spiritual fitness is proved and put to the test. Each believer must ask himself, am I a proven regular soldier of Christ who will never let up in my obedience? Or am I something of a hindrance to the efficiency of the fighting force to which I belong because of my spiritual lethargy? I mean, if in a platoon of soldiers, say 30 men, there are a couple who are not very fit and have not paid any attention to training, those two are going to greatly hinder and hamper the others. Solomon is saying here, do not be weary of the Lord's proving of you. But be willing to be disciplined and so make progress in your Christian walk. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 1 and verse 6. Now for a season if need be 
ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Gold is tried by fire in order to remove its impurities. And so it is with our faith. It is tried, proven and tested by fire. Whether it be persecution or the anxieties and problems of our everyday lives, we must not faint under God's proving of us. Job 23 verse 10 He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Job found all his suffering so difficult to endure. But he also knew that God was making him more holy through his sufferings. And so we read in James 1 and verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And so there we learn that afflictions prove and test a believer's spiritual mettle. And so we should not expect to go through our Christian lives without testing. And if we were to go through our Christian lives without such testing, we would never mature. So we read in verse 12, For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Well again, in this 12th verse, as in verse 11, the word correcteth also carries this connotation of proving. The Lord proves or tests the spiritual metal of those who believe in him. And uh, we see this happening on a a much broader level uh, in the churches today as our whole civilization is uh, assailed by the LGBT movement. This is testing the spiritual metal of those who call themselves Christians, and it is sorting out the wheat from the chaff. Now, an earthly father desires his children to grow in understanding and right behaviour, and so he will at times test them to ensure their progress. For example, he will say no uh, when the child has seen something in a shop that he immediately wants to have. Will there be a tantrum 
or an acceptance that the Father knows best. Likewise, our infinitely wiser Heavenly Father is testing us, his children, proving us in order to aid our spiritual growth and understanding. We, for our part, must ensure that when he permits adversity in our lives, we receive the discipline and use the opportunity to become stronger in our trust. This is to grow in wisdom and understanding, which leads us on to verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. True happiness is to be found not in the absence of difficulties in our life, but in the forgiveness of sins and being reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. True happiness is to be found in the wisdom and understanding which is obedience to God's commandments and the discerning of his perfect will. True happiness is to be found in growing in grace and in becoming more conformed to Christ in holiness. True happiness is to be found in the wisdom of God in scripture seeping into our whole being. We should never think of true happiness as the absence of difficulties. This is the testimony of the psalmist. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes, and I will not forget thy word. And further on, verse 23, Thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counsellors. And so the true Christian uh, derives pleasure from studying God's word. Uh, One would not think of reading a law book to be a particularly enjoyable activity. Uh, But we're told that the psalmist meditates in God's statutes. He finds them to be his delight. Solomon says here in verse 14, For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. He's talking about the wisdom of God's word. This is the best capital to trade with, yielding the best profit. And so the Lord Jesus Christ taught in Matthew 13 and verse 45, 
The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a merchant seeking goodly pearls. And having found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. In other words, nothing is more precious than knowing Christ. Hebrews 11 verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see, Moses could have carried on enjoying all the luxury and all the prestige of living in the Egyptian royal court in which he had been brought up. But he forsook all that for the greater riches of knowing Christ and of being persecuted for Christ's sake. He knew that the riches of the heavenly inheritance far outweighed any temporary earthly gain. For the merchandise of it, of God's wisdom, is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. Then Solomon says of the wisdom of God's word in verse 15 here. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. The true wisdom, which is the knowledge of Christ, has in value no earthly equal. What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Can anyone put a value upon eternal life? Is there any temporary earthly gain which it is worth forfeiting eternal life for? Going back to Revelation 3 and verse 18. I counsel thee to buy of me gold refined by fire that thou mayest become rich. In the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, bearing the sins of the world, The believer has access to the riches of heaven. We again read in the book of Job that the fear of God is a greater wealth than any earthly gold. Job 28 and verse 12. Where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man knoweth not the price thereof, neither is it found in the land of the living. Verse 15, it cannot be gotten for gold, 
neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. Verse 23, God understandeth the way thereof, and he knoweth the place thereof. Verse 28, unto man he said, behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Does modern man desire to be truly wise? Then start fearing the Trinitarian God. And forget all the ridiculous political correctness which currently fills your mind. Where shall wisdom be found? You see, the natural man does not know where to go. He just goes to his own human learning. But true wisdom is to be found in the revelation of the God who manifests himself in Jesus Christ. So in these verses 11 to 15 of Proverbs chapter 3, we are exhorted not to despise the school and instruction of the Lord. The discipline which he imparts. Our difficulties, trials and crises are all part of God's discipline. The glorious learning process uh, which is being a Christian. We are called to be disciplined, fully fit soldiers of Christ. We never stop learning or growing in grace. There will be times of suffering and adversity where our faith will need to be proved, tried and tested. How does our personal faith stand up under adversity? This is a challenge to all of us. But we must never be weary of the Lord's proving of us. He is disciplining us as a loving father disciplines his son. The true Christian comes to value more and more this divine instruction and correction. The increasing knowledge of God's word. The acquisition of deeper wisdom and understanding which the Lord's chastening brings. The true Christian realises that nothing in all the world is more precious than the wisdom which is knowing Jesus Christ and his great salvation. Amen.